All right. Good morning, everyone. It is great to have you here at Renew Bible. If you're visiting with us or you've been here forever, or if you're joining us online, it's great to have you here as we continue in the Gospel of Mark. How many of you are uh, fond of a time in your life when you had a stuffed animal? Some of you might remember a stuffed animal. Some of you might say, a time in my life, I still have a stuffed animal and I'm unashamed. And uh, I bet, I'm just gonna throw this out there, there's um, a few little girls and a few little boys out there who have a bedroom with stuffed animals everywhere because they have a grandma that heard you like a certain type of animal. And grandmas will not stop at one toy. If they find out you like something, they will flood that house. And that's what makes them great. But I bet you got stuffed animals. If you're a a parent of younger children, you know how just holding something can calm a child. I remember two things could really speak peace into our little ones. One was a stuffed animal and the other was their binky, okay? Those things both spoke tremendous peace. The third was the most important one, that was their mom, okay? But, But those things just brought tremendous peace. But if you've ever gone into a bedroom of a child wailing, I mean screaming, head sweating, hair sweating, screaming, upset, and you give them something comforting, it's just like, and out they go. Some of you are in your 40s, and if you find a stuffed animal in a football game, out you go. It's the same principle, we're just bigger. But that child's screaming, you can hear it, just crying. And you know, you know, I mean, for those more veteran parents, when your first, your first child, you go in the room at every whimper, you bring them to you. You destroy nights of your, of your marriage, bringing them into your room. Years go by at times. The second one, you check on them. You know they're okay, but you watch out. The third, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. I'm only kidding. But laying on your bed and crying, I don't think is something that's just for children. I bet everybody in this room can remember a time in their life. I don't care if it was in high school in college, in your adult life, whether you're a senior saint and you haven't laid on your bed and cried. Sometimes all by yourself. Sometimes because of how the bills just keep coming in like waves. Sometimes because of news you just heard that you are literally numb. Seasons in our lives that are change laying in a dorm room for the first time, hours away from family, hearing the news that you've lost someone, or just limply feeling overwhelmed by life. What brings you comfort in those moments when life is scary, life doesn't make sense, your theology hasn't changed, you believe God's good, but right now, everything feels like he might not be. And you know that's not what the Bible says, but my feelings are saying to me, maybe he's not good. Maybe I am alone. Maybe I have no hope. Oh, I bet, I bet he thinks, I bet God thinks I'm a, a failure. I bet he's so sick of me. I cannot tell you how many children of God I run into that have Jesus and he's mean. 
I'll sometimes say, I don't know anybody who doesn't like you as much as you don't like you. And the response is always the same, head down. Are you tempted sometimes to think that God, child of God, that God is just sick of you? Done with you? Like, he thinks you're dirty and gross. And I mean, Jesus is for like the good cleaned up Christians, not like you. You ever tempted to feel those things as a child of God? You came to the right Sunday. Because today, the heartbeat of the gospel message of Mark is how Jesus doesn't hesitantly love you. Jesus doesn't like, oh, I guess I have to. They're crying again. Jesus doesn't like, oh, let's go, let's go get that loser out of trouble again. That voice you hear in your head, child of God, I'm speaking directly to you specifically right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, you don't have that voice in your head. But if you know Christ as your savior, any voice of shame and guilt and manipulation and disappointment, that's not the voice of your good shepherd. Well, it, it, it feels, it feels it, and it might, and it might, but you've got to learn how to shut the voices of lies out so that you can hear the voice of truth. And that voice of truth comes in to your world of tears and crying and pain like a stuffed animal on a difficult night. Where do I go? in those moments when I'm like, God, I don't get you on this one. I know you're good, I know you have a plan, but I don't get you on this one. You got me confused, God. I don't see how this could be good. I don't see a good result coming out of this. I'm a little frustrated, if I'm honest, God, about what you're currently allowing. Where do I go? I'll tell you where Pastor Chris goes. I go back to the basics. What do you mean? I go straight to Psalm 23. It's very important in your life to have anchor verses because you can't trust your thought life. The enemy gets in there and if you're not taking thoughts captive, it can coach you like it's Jesus talking when it's not. And so the best thing to do when you hear a bunch of competing voices in your head is to go to the voice of truth. And I go to, when I don't understand what's going on, Psalm 23. How many of you have it memorized? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside what? Still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Huh. Yea, though, I walk through the valley of what? The shadow of death. It's not real, it's just a shadow. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your what? Your rod and your staff, you comfort me. You prepare a table before me, even in the presence of what? My enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, it's an amazing psalm. But the more you know this psalm, 
the more you see how much this psalm has to do with the names of God, how much this psalm has to do with the walk of the Christian life, and how much it has to do with an illustration of a little lamb who's being led to the table is what shepherds called the table. They would go to the top plateau and take their lambs there. And it would take sometimes almost a year. And Psalm 23 is a year in the life of a little lamb. And what's amazing about it is David has broken it down as if it's this journey along the life of this little lamb. And he starts out by green pastures, goes by stream, still waters, gets in the thicket and gets restored, goes along right paths, enters through shadow valley, gets to the tables of mercy where he's cleansed and sanctified and oiled up. Finally on top of the table. And the more you know about a lamb and its life and the sheep, and the more you know about the shepherd, the more thrilling Psalm 23 is. And so, to honor stuffed animals today, I have brought my favorite stuffed animal kids and adults. I'm not ashamed. He's my favorite. In fact, he's getting a little famous. He has been in at least over 20 sermons of mine. He travels with me. He's often in the trunk of my car because there'll be times I'm speaking at a conference or a speaking session and I go, where is Huey? I need Huey. I, I, this is perfect for this. Huey has come on teen retreats. He has climbed Mount Carmel. He's been almost sacrificed instead of Isaac. He's been put on the altar. He has walked through the good shepherd messages. Huey has been there for me in Revelation, talking about the lamb of God that's before the throne. Huey is there for me and Huey is here today. This is my guy and he is always around and I keep him in the back. I got a couple props I make sure are with me at all times and Huey's one of them and I'm aware he's getting a little cocky. He's been on camera a lot, but um, he, he's kind of he's with me all the time and so I brought him here today because we're gonna talk about his life. Did you know he um, will walk himself into trouble very easily? Do you, know that, um, do you know that he'll follow other lambs where, really wherever they go? He kind of will wander off because he's always seeking out better spaces to be and places to go. He, he, he's, he's like that. And my, my Huey, I mean, he, he, he can get off on different things because <laughs> Huey can't take care of himself. He can't hunt. He's not an animal that hunts, so he has to have somebody protect him, okay? He really can't go get food then, so he needs someone to bring him food. And because he's so scared a lot, he needs someone to constantly bring him comfort. But he's here today, and he's doing a good job, even trembling in front of all of you, right? But I wanna use him as an example, because sheep only have as good a life as their shepherd provides. Listen again. Sheep will only have as good a life as who their shepherd is and how he provides. And if you've got a mean shepherd, you're gonna have a bad life. But if you've got a good shepherd, oh, if you've got a good shepherd, you have a life that can handle anything that comes its way. Today, 
we're talking about one of the most famous passages of scripture in Mark. It's recorded in all four gospel accounts. Why? Not one of them didn't want to talk about it. They saw this so amazing. It was right up there with the resurrection. Jesus fed that many people and they all want to talk about it. But Mark is a little more specific. He shares some things about what Jesus said to his disciples back and forth. And one of the things that Jesus said when he saw the crowds that desperately needed food, but the hour was getting late, he said, I see them as sheep without a shepherd. We live in a world that likes to call people sheep when they think they're weak. Guess how Jesus views every single person in this room? As sheep. The only difference is there are sheep without a shepherd and there are sheep with a shepherd. Do you have the good shepherd in your life? If you do, the reason you survive at all is not because of you. For apart from the good shepherd, you can do nothing. There is no other animal that illustrates the need for a good owner like a sheep without a shepherd. And so today's message will be a sheep without a shepherd. It's Mark 6, verses 30 through 44. We're gonna dive into this after we pray immediately. Heavenly Father, use your word today to encourage us. Lord, so many times children of God can run into a rut of beating up on themselves. They've allowed voices in their head that they have not captured thoughts that have told them that Jesus can't love them. He can love others, but he can't love them. He'll never forget what they did and he's disappointed with them and he feels they're a failure that he has to tolerate. May they meet and be reminded of who the good shepherd is in scripture. And Lord, there's people out there that might be listening today that have no shepherd. So therefore they go to other means for their shepherding. They turn on a TV and ask it to shepherd them. They listen to a boss and ask that boss to shepherd them. They listen to famous voices or voices that make lots of money and they ask them to be their shepherd. But children of God know better. They know the voice of the true shepherd. And may we celebrate how good he is today just in case there's someone in here who thinks there's a better voice than the voice of the shepherd. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, last week we were at a meal. The place, though, was, a, was Macaris. The mount where the great, great fortress of Herod was. And he and Herodias, as well as Salome, were plotting to get Herod to give over John the Baptist's head on a platter. And don't think Mark did that on accident. He goes from a feast that was filled with erotic dancing and sensual things and murderous plots to a feast where the good shepherd is there. And so coming off of this information that John the Baptist is dead, Jesus is in that moment of grief in that moment of 
suffering through the loss of someone he dearly loved. And at the same moment, we're gonna find Mark telling us that the apostles or the disciples are coming back after being commissioned. They had gone out with the power to cast out demons and share the good news. And they're coming back to Jesus with a report. And that's where we pick it up today with all those emotions coming out of what happened at Machaerus and going into what's about to happen next. Mark chapter six says this. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Now, if you have teenagers in your home, parents, you know what it's like to ask them how the day went and get an answers like this. Good. So, so how was it? How did it go? It's fine. Is everything okay? Yeah, why? Oh, okay. And that's about it. And if you push too hard, moms, you know what will happen, right? Especially. Dads, you know, it's all right. Don't push too hard. You learn, you learn. But then there's times around 11 o'clock, it feels like when you want to go to bed, they're awake and they're ready to talk. And any parent knows you stay awake because they're ready to talk and out everything comes. I believe that is the type of emotion to this. They're coming back. You're not going to believe this. I was sharing this and this guy came out of the crowd. He was like, you get out of here. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so I went over there and then we went from this town and then we went to, I shook off the dust, just like you said, Jesus. I shook off the dust, but then I went to the next town. Then this happened. And when this happened, I mean, and and you what happened to Peter, right? John, tell him what happened to you, John. Oh, I'm going to tell you what happened. Peter did that. And I'm sure Jesus listens. Why do I think that? Look at the next verse. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Calm down. Calm down. All marriages know these moments. Hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. We don't need dinner. We'll starve tonight. I'll go tell the kids, shut your mouths and go back to your rooms. Hun, go get a bath. We got, whoa. Hey, hey, why don't you just, why don't you just go downstairs and watch a game, okay? We'll be up here. You just go on downstairs. Jesus going, let's go away. Get yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Who does that speak to here today? Some of you are social butterflies. You sit in your house and you get depressed and discouraged and you just don't even know why you're alive. And you get around people and you're like, and then some of you get around people and are depressed and don't know if you're gonna live. And you need to get, I gotta get out of here. These people are sucking the life out of me. I just need to be alone. And you get home. And you sit there and you're like, oh, peace. Because some of us gain life from others and some of us gain life from being away. But, but those who know us best know how to care for us. And Jesus knows his guys. He said, hey, let's get away. Let's get a break. You guys are exhausted, little wound up. Let's get away by ourselves. Why? Because Jesus is such a good shepherd. And throughout this text, I keep seeing Psalm 23 popping up. And so I made notes of it. Here's three notes that I wanted to point out, just of that section. The good shepherd 
makes their sheep lie down in green, shep- in green pastures. He makes them lie down. Hey, stop. It's time to take a break. You know, when we think of green pastures, don't we often think of these lush green pastures we see on the hillsides? But this was an arid territory. These were often desert lands. And so green pastures weren't just naturally there. They had to be prepared by the shepherd. And the shepherd was preparing these places because sheep like Huey like comfortable areas. And he makes these green pastures so that they lie down. Come away by yourselves. You know, I was listening and and also reading just about shepherds and how they care for sheep, just to sharpen up on this message. And I got a chance to read Keller's book on how a shepherd cares for sheep. And, And Keller, who wrote the book, was a shepherd. And so he had interesting insight. And he said, you know what it takes to get the sheep to lie down? They won't just lie down. There's four criteria that have to be met to lie down. And he described it. The first one is, Huey needs to know there's nothing scary going on. He will not lie down if he senses something he's afraid of. He's not lying down. Second one is, he won't lie down if he has conflict with another lamb. So if there was a little bit of a rough patch, they say Mama Hughes sometimes can be a little bit bullies and kind of storm their way into things, and they get all agitated. They get all agitated. And he said, I would have to kind of separate them. And if they're agitated, they just stood there. They're not lying down. So he has to have no fear and he has to have no conflict. It's nothing like human beings, right? The third thing is he needs to not be hungry. If he's hungry, he'll be restless and he'll be agitated. And then the fourth criteria is He needs nothing bugging him, literally, no bugs. They don't like bugs all over them. When there's bugs all over them, they're agitated. And so a lot of times, especially in the ancient Near East, they would put oil on them. They would anoint their heads with oil. And so that oil would be on them so that the bugs would stay away. The shepherd was constantly going, there we go. There's a comfortable place, okay? Nope, there's no fear. I'm standing presence because he said there is nothing more comforting to one of these lambs than the shepherd's presence. A good shepherd doesn't scare his sheep. So if you're leading and you're scaring people, you're not the good shepherd. It's not how he works. God is just like screaming at me right now. What? Who's, what? Psalm 23, four, he screams at his kid. No, no, okay. But we feel that way, right? Here's the second thing I wrote down. Good shepherds lead their sheep beside, what kind of waters? Still waters. Here, this'll terrify him. Let's go. That's not the good shepherd. He doesn't terrify. You see, especially in the times of sheep with, uh, that in shepherding in Jesus' day, there were three sources of water. One was dew in the morning. In fact, Keller writes, it was interesting to get up in the morning and watch my sheep out there just living off the dew. He goes, believe it or not, sheep can live off the dew for quite a while. And he said, there was something powerful about sheep needing the dew of the morning that believers can learn from of how desperate we need to get water in the morning. The second option was these deep caverns. 
And shepherds would lead them down these caverns along still waters to get to the areas. And in the time of Jesus, shepherds would have to derobe, jump into the water, get the water because it wasn't still enough for them. Meh, scary water, meh, okay, okay. You, they get the water, they go, okay, okay, okay. They go in, they get the water. Okay, they come with the water, all right, they come up. Okay, okay, here, here we go, here we go. And they do this. Meh, okay, okay, okay. Meh, a little more. Okay, now, still, there we go. Who's doing all the work? Who's doing all the work? Jesus does nothing for me. I feel like he's doing nothing for me. Who's doing all the work? You see how the enemy likes to lie? So Psalm 23 anchors me. They went away in the boat. Come on, let's go. Still waters. No rough winds right now. Let's go in still waters. And they head across. And then third point I put, good shepherds see when their sheep need to be restored. You restore my soul. And Jesus saw his guys were tired and they just need some time to get away and relax. And he goes with them. I love that. He goes with them. It's not like shame on you for not working 24 seven and killing yourself for Jesus Christ. He goes, hey, it's time to take a break. Let's go. You're coming? Yeah. You're not gonna get a break without me. He knows how to restore them. Do you remember when David prayed? Soul, why are you cast down inside of me? Remember that prayer? We did it in our soul series. You know that when Huey falls over, it's called being cast. That's cast. And Huey has fallen here, and trust me, he can't get up. And it's not because he's a stuffed animal. Sheep cannot get up when they fall over, and therefore, it's a cast sheep. David was saying, my soul is cast down, and only my shepherd can get me up. There's three reasons Huey might be cast. One is sheep adore comfy places, Keller writes. They adore comfy places. And so they're constantly looking for comfort. The second is they have too much wool. If their wool is not cut by their shepherd, it gets too heavy on them and they get unbalanced and they fall over. The third is Huey got himself out of shape by eating a poor diet, got away from his shepherd too much and started eating the wrong ways. And so he's not conditioned well and he falls over and he can't get up. He has to be helped up. Look at you, he said he would say. He said, I grab my sheep and I'd speak to them very comforting because they're scared. And I'd get them out. I'd be, look at you. And he said, I'd be like, now what did you do? Like, look at, look at yourself. You're all muddy. You're all muddy. And he said, I would comfort them. And I'd get them cared for and back on their feet. Shepherds know that sometimes being sheep, we fall over and get hurt. And they need restoration. And the good shepherd restores. And he does so lovingly and carefully. He's a wonderful shepherd. He needs to be, for his sheep are prone to wander. And so, Jesus says, guys, let's go away. Let's take a break. Let's get away from the crowds. And let's get alone and restore. Let's find a green pasture with some still waters so I can restore your souls. And as they're going across the lake, 
Mark says this. Now, many saw them going and recognized them. Oh, there's Jesus. And they ran on foot from all the towns and got ahead of them. Has <laughs> that ever happened to you? It's like, oh, I'm gonna get away, I'm gonna get away. <gasps> oh no, we're not gonna get away, we're not gonna get away. Here come the crowds. And then scripture continues and it says this. When he saw, when he went ashore and he saw the great crowd, here comes the crowds, we gotta get away. I bet I, I, bet I know what Jesus is gonna do. I bet he's gonna do this. Hey, hey. Everybody go home. These guys are exhausted. I mean, how much do you expect them to do? I mean, guys, are you not exhausted? I mean, seriously, guys, look at this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, all right, all right, back another day. Another day. We'll be back tomorrow at eight o'clock. Another day, another day. Go home. What, what does he do? I mean, Jesus has just heard John the Baptist has died. His disciples are all exhausted. He looks on the crowds with, oh man, I just read compassion. How many of you know how to define compassion? Oh, I know compassion. That's like, I feel sorry for you. It's deeper than that. In fact, the definition of compassion is twofold. Here's the first part of it. It's a feeling of deep sorrow for another who has been stricken by what? Misfortune. Oh, look at these crowds. They're coming to me. Look how misfortunate they are. There's a second part though accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. I don't think you could stand next to Jesus in a street or a city in the United States or any country you're listening from, including those our missionaries are in right now watching, and hear him say, what a bunch of idiots. These people are so stupid. They're a bunch of sheep. I don't think you'd hear Jesus say that. I also don't think he wouldn't do anything. I don't think he'd just post on social media. I bet he'd go feed some people. I bet he wouldn't just throw out, it's a shame I have to live in this world. I, I bet he would probably maybe even start a camp and invite kids to come to it. I, I, I bet he wouldn't be like, how do we get away from these crazy people and disgusting sheep who just follow everything there. I, 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 bet, I bet actually he would probably like serve some free meals and offer some camps and share the love of Jesus Christ with them. That's my bet. Why? Because he looks at them with what, church? Compassion. Oh my word. They're so misfortunate. Why? Why are they so misfortunate? Because they're like Huey here. They just don't have a shepherd. If they had a shepherd, how different would their life be? Of course they're falling apart. Of course they're fighting. Of course they're running around aimless. Of course they want to fatten their wool. The more wool, the more material things, the better they think. Of course they're hunting comfort and the need to be safe and the need to build bigger things and, and keep themselves protected because they love comfort. They don't want to ever feel fear. Of course they're unconditioned because they're filling themselves with things that are not healthy. They're sheep without a shepherd. That's why he felt compassion. And so he taught them a few things, many things, because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd.
I wrote down in my journal. How do I see the world? Do I see them as sheep without a shepherd? Or do I see them as something I can't stand? Something that's in my way of comfort or in my way of keeping the life I want to live. And that echoes in my heart to look on the world the way Jesus does. Because sheep without a shepherd are in a bad, bad way. There's a viral video. Some of you might have seen it. It's a little lamb stuck, stuck in a cavern. And, and, and shepherds today look different. They don't walk around with like robes and staffs, okay? Sometimes it's a boy just helping on, on the farm. And this boy pulls this lamb out and it's bleeding. It's bleeding. And, and bleating, not bleeding, okay? But, but, but it's bleating, okay? And, 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 it, and he pulls it out. And I want you to see what happens next because when I show this to you, I, I noticed under the comments, it read things like, story of my life. So my family, so me, oh, this was last week. Story of my athletic career. Like, it was just like that, right? So, so here it is, here it is. Let's watch this, this is fun. Isn't that terrible? Imagine the sheep without a shepherd. Child of God, you have been enlightened by the scriptures, but it's because you have what? A shepherd. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. And so they give Jesus advice. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. It's getting late, Jesus. You, we can't feed this crowd, so let's send them home. Isn't it funny when people coach Jesus on how to do things? The disciples, they were so cute at that age, weren't they? They were so cute at that age. Jesus, we got a problem. There's thousands of people here, and um, it's getting late, Jesus. So let's watch what Jesus does. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. What? You give them, there's, there's some 5,000 people on the hillside, Jesus. We got section 302 at Citizens Bank Ballpark here. You want us to give them something to eat? You give them something to eat. They respond, they said, um, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? and give it to them? I mean, it's gonna take some 200 people's yearly wages to do this. Is that what you're thinking we do? And Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go, go out and see. They gotta be thinking, what? Go out into the crowds, go see what you got. And so they went out and they saw and um, they came back and it said, we found um, five loaves and two fish. We got five loaves and we got 
two fish. I'm gonna say it one more time. There's 5,000 people. There's some seven, 800 maybe right in front of me right here. We got five loaves and two fish. You can picture organized Philip going, that is not enough. This is just so bad. It's getting darker. We're out searching for some loaves when I already said we weren't gonna have enough. And now we bring them back to Jesus. We got five loaves and two fish. It's all we got. All we got is five loaves and two fish. Jesus was gonna work with whatever they brought back, wasn't he? What do you got? I wrote down in my journal notes, what's my five and two? I, I'm not that guy. I'm not her. I'm not him. I'm not that. I'm not that organization. We, don't, we aren't there. We're not that. We're that. But you know what? This is what we got. We got five and two. What's my five and two? I mean, Jesus, I, I don't got anything. Yeah, but you, what, what do you got? I, I got a microphone and a Bible. All right, go ahead. Let's work with it. Let's see what we can do. Uh, what do you got? Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I got a drill and I got a hammer. All right, let's work with it. Let's work with it. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, uh, Jesus, all I got is a, a you know, graphic design degree in this computer. All right, let's work with it. Because I can take anything and do amazing things. Because I am the good shepherd and I provide from whatever I'm gonna work with. I just need somebody who wants to bring it to me instead of do it themselves. He commanded them to sit down on the green grass. Isn't that interesting? Pastures of green. So that they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. They broke out. And then he said this. He taking the loaves and two fish and he looked up into heaven and he said a blessing and he broke the loaves. See the imagery there of communion? And gave them to the disciples and set them before the people. He broke the loaves and set it before the people. This is all he did? Yeah. And he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. It just kept coming. It just kept coming. It just kept coming. It just kept coming. All four gospel writers, it just kept coming. We, 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 fed, we, fed, we fed them all. They all recorded it. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Have you ever found that to be very interesting? They only listed the men. Well, the men would have had family unions. So how many people were on that hillside? We only know there's 5,000 men. How many women and children were there as well? He fed them all. And there was another 12 baskets. What's your five and two? What'd you got, guys? What'd you find? We found um, five loaves and two fish. All right, let's get to work. What? He was pointing out to them you are incapable. Huey, you're incapable of doing this life by yourself. You need me. And sometimes I'll put you in situations, Huey, that you can't do. I'll even tell you, go ahead. Go wrestle that bear over there. Go get him. I will. And I'll come to your rescue. When he tears you up, you need me. The good shepherd shows their sheep the right path. I made three notes. And he says, you give them something to eat. Jesus, send them home, send them home. No, 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 no. Thy rod and thy staff tell me something different. No, no, you go feed them. We can't. I'm gonna show you what I can do. 
Good shepherds lead in the right path. If you're, if you're going, I, I just don't know. I'm thinking the Lord wants me to just like go into my boss's office and trash it and curse at him and scream and then like steal a few things on the way out and drive home. I'm thinking God's telling me to do that. That's not the good shepherd. Okay, but that's the way I feel. Is that, you think that's God? No, that's not God. He's never gonna lead you on the wrong path. If you're ever processing sin, that's not the right path. You need to be in the word of God so you know the right path because he will lead you on the right path. You give them something to eat. He will often take you through something that you can't do. Child of God, if you're out there going, I can't do this anymore. Jesus is going, they're getting close. I can't live like this. They're getting close. Oh, they're getting close. They're gonna come to me soon. I'm stuck. They're getting close. They're coming close. They're gonna cry for me soon. Jesus, I need help. What do we got? I'm down to this. Let's go. Let's work. Because I've been waiting for you. Shepherds lead on the right path. Second, I wrote this down. Good shepherds guide their sheep to the table. The whole year was spent going to the table. That's the upper hills where they would be safe and the shepherds would often go before them. They would go and prepare a place for them. And when they would go and prepare a place for them, they prepare it with putting minerals and salt on the ground and preparing it. Oh, I go and I prepare a place for you, Huey. I'm gonna take you to it. And it might be rough along the way, but it's gonna be great because good shepherds lead their sheep to the table and he broke the loaves and he set it before the people to remind them, I didn't come just to give you life. I came to give you life abundantly. And then third, I wrote down, good shepherds, you know what they do? They abundantly provide for their sheep. They were all satisfied. Jesus enjoys caring for his sheep. There is a sense of joy in a dad when one of his kids asks for his help. There is a sense of joy in a mother when one of her girls say, mom, can you help me with this? There's a sense of joy in Jesus when his kids go, I can't do this by myself. There's like a, I'm about to help him because he sees the masses as sheep without shepherds. Oh, if they only had me. Oh, if they only had me. Oh, Huey, if you only had me. Apart from me, you can't do anything. You couldn't have come into the church today. I brought you in. And that is the illustration of the sheep. Now, this is Huey. I don't know. I want to I show you a picture of a sheep. His name was Barrick, and he was found in Australia after not having a shepherd or getting away from a shepherd for a long period of time. And you know what happened to him? His wool grew so long because he had no shepherd to care for him that it, it weighed, when they sheared it, it weighed over 75 pounds. That is heavier than some of you kids out there. 75 pounds is Barrick was carrying around. Take a look at him. Oh my word. Look at that. Huey, look what could happen to you. I mean, that's unbelievable. It's okay to laugh in church. Jesus loves you. Seriousness is not a fruit of the spirit, okay? It's love, joy, peace, patience, seriousness. No, it's not there. It's faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, 
And that's who your savior is. They sheared him. He looks much better. Here he is. Ah. How many of you would comment, story of my life? We're so weighed down by things because we've gotten away from the shepherd. Who is this good shepherd? Who is this good shepherd? Can I know? Can I meet him? It's the gospel of John. Jesus comes into the scene and says in chapter 10, verse 11, something that'll blow your mind. He says this, I am the good shepherd. I am. I am. God, I am. Yahweh, God, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own them, sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for my sheep and I have other sheep that are not afraid, that are not of this fold, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it away up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down my own life on my accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. I am a good shepherd. I die for my sheep and no one can take them from me because I own them. When a shepherd buys sheep, they mark them. They're marked by their owner. The shepherd pays a price for those sheep and the shepherd cares for them and the sheep depend upon him. They're prone to wander, but he's prone to come get them because they're his. When I read, I am the good shepherd, it echoes back to Yahweh, the I am, the great I am. But it also echoes back to Psalm 23. And here's why. David loved to call his shepherd Jehovah. Jehovah we see throughout Psalm 23. Jehovah we see throughout the Psalms. And do you know where we get the name Jehovah from? Some of you are a little more nursed in Hebrew and some ancient practices know that Jehovah comes from two different words or transliterations or telegrams, what you see here. Yahweh are consonants. Four, Y, H, W, H. Why? They were afraid if they wrote the whole name, they might take his name in vain. So they just did consonants. One of the other names of God that they used was Adonai. And so, when you take the vows of Adonai and the consonants of Yahweh, put them together, you get Yahuwah, which is said the way we say it, Jehovah, Yahuwah or Jehovah. 
And you see this Yahweh, Jehovah, throughout the Psalms, as well as specifically Psalm 23. And when you begin to understand the good shepherd is Jehovah, Yahweh, you can use them interchangeably, you learn about his name. And then when you read things in the Psalm that says, you do this for your name's sake, your name is on the line. You want to know his names. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Yahweh Shema, the Lord is there. Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. You can do Yahweh or Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Medeshkim, the Lord sanctifies. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Rahi, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the great I am, Jesus, my savior, is the good shepherd. Yeah. The one who heals, yeah. The one who sanctifies, yeah. The one who brings peace, yeah. He's the one who goes with me all of my days, yeah. And it's one thing when you realize the Lord is the shepherd. It's a whole nother when you do what David did and say the Lord is Whose shepherd? My shepherd. The Lord is mine. He's my shepherd. Child of God, hear me. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you're the sheep and he's your shepherd. I was six years old. I came home from evening church on a Sunday night and I said to my mom and dad, I wanna ask Jesus into my heart because I was a scared little lamb who didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to spend my life with this God I heard my pastor talking about. That night, my parents explained to me that one of the most important prayers you can pray is, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. They explained to me it's not exactly how I say it. It's about who I'm gonna be following and giving my life to. You see, the world is gonna trick you if they can because there's a lot of fake shepherds out there. And they'll say things like Jesus is a crutch. Jesus is this old religious thing. Jesus is just something that people do to help them feel better at night. But when you're crying on your bed and you're a child of God, the difference is you know someone's listening. And my good shepherd came into my life that day at the age of six. And he came with me into the halls of Percocy Elementary School. He was there for me on my first day of middle school at Penridge High School. He led me through a difficult time of my life where I was cast down to a school 
where he introduced me to my wife. And Jesus was with me, my good shepherd, on the day she walked down the aisle. See, here's the thing. Until you know who your good shepherd is, you have no clue how great it is to be a sheep. Amen? I must be tired, or my allergies. Jehovah Rai, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm your shepherd. I'm going with you, Hui. I shall not want. Jehovah Jireh, I'll provide. You'll want for nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me behind still waters. Jehovah Shalom, I'll be your peace. I'll bring you peace. He restores my soul. Jehovah Rapha, he is my healer. It changes your prayer life. When I'm feeling sick, I pray to Jehovah Rapha. When my child's in the hospital, having ripped her spleen open, I'm going, Jehovah Rapha, I need you right now. You learn about God through Psalm 23. He leads me in the path of righteousness for whose sake? My sake? My reputation? No, for his name's sake, Jehovah Sikkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. There is nothing I could ever do to make him love me less. There is no condemnation. How many people are still recovering from legalism where even Christians shamed you and said, God someday is gonna yell at you for that. There's no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. Someday I'll pay for that. Then what was the cross for? He paid everything for me. He loves me. And there's nothing I could ever do to make him love me any less. And so when the other sheep say, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm sorry. Your opinion doesn't matter. I listen to the good shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm gonna fear no evil, for you are with me. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord fights for me. He stands opposed and fights for me. He leads me, he guards, he says he's my keeper. He'll even lay down at the door of the pen and make sure I'm okay. Nothing is allowed to hurt me unless he has allowed it and will use it for good. And you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over Jehovah Mekadeshkim. Let's get these flies off of you. <laughs> my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ma, ah, come here. This way. Oh, that's neat. No, over here, Huey, right there. That way. Oh, no, that way. Right there. Oh, oh, ah. 
Come here. Come, come, come. Oh my goodness. Look at you. Look what you did here. All right. Up, up, up. This way. Uh, you made yourself a mess. There we go. Oh, there's a wolf. We're good. We're good. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to prepare a place and then you come. All right. Follow, follow. We're going here. Are you coming? Are you coming? It's too hard. Come on. You're going to care. Yep. Come on. Let's go. This is really scary. I've never flown before. I know. Come on. Come on. Landing in Philadelphia. There you go. You cheated death again. He goes with you everywhere you go, child of God. Because he's the good shepherd. And when he looks at people in this world who don't have him, he's sad for them. Because they're just sheep without a shepherd. May this illustration be a reminder to you that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Heavenly Father, if there's anyone in here today who doesn't know the love of the shepherd, with heads bowed and eyes closed, may they pray, Jesus, I'm lost, I'm tired, I'm alone. Don't know where to go. I need a savior. Please be my savior. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow you. I need a good shepherd in my life. For every child of God out there who's already prayed and asked Jesus to be their savior, I pray they would shut the mouth of the devil up. Any voice that says that they're disgusting to Jesus or they're a loser, or they're a failure, or Jesus is sick of pulling them out of the same rut every time. Every voice, Lord, may they hear the good shepherd who loves his sheep. He's enduring with patience with us and kindness, who gave his life for us. And Lord, if we have the good shepherd, may we not stand a post yelling at those who do not have him as if we've arrived. May we instead be so grateful. You're so good. You're so amazing. And we should feel pity for anyone who doesn't have you in their life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.